0: Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. Welcome to the show. You're listening to episode 186. Okay, this show's going to be a little different because what I've decided is I have guests lined up for the next episodes. I think Jamie Stegmaier's lined up next episode. But in this episode, I wanted to talk to you a couple of things. One, welcome to our new listeners because the numbers just keep going up and I certainly appreciate that. But two, I recently uh, have changed my routine in my life, and I now drive to work. I have a commute for the first time in 12 years. And the other day, just for fun, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to turn on my podcast, Funding the Dream, and let's just listen to what that sounds like. And I got to tell you, I now understand a little bit about why you reach out to me and talk to me about how you have invited this show into your daily routine, because I suddenly realized that with nothing to do in traffic, I live in Silicon Valley and driving here is horrendous. And in traffic, you're kind of captivated, right? And at the end of the show, I realized why so many of you talk about how you appreciate the 20 minutes and you look forward to that next one. But I also realized I owed you an apology and I'm apologizing. Now the apology is, is that, as soon as I got done listening and I can't remember who the guest was that we had, who had some great information to share, I realized that I wanted to listen to the next one. And that's where the apology is due because for those of you who have stuck with me and have been through all 187 episodes the consistency of the show has been, the quality the guests have been awesome. But the consistency, the episodes haven't come out on such a regular basis. And I can understand now, you get up on Monday morning and, on your commute, and I'm part of that commute. This show has become part of your commute. And if I don't have a show for you on Monday morning, then you've got to wait till Tuesday. And if there's not one on Tuesday, you've got to keep waiting. You shouldn't have to wait. And so I'm committing to you right now that we're going to get ourselves on a regular schedule so that you don't have to keep waiting for the episodes to come out kind of randomly. And that was my apology because it suddenly struck me, oh, this is what this is all about. You guys really do enjoy just that consistent, regular, being able to listen to my guests talk about Kickstarter, all the insights and all of the things that they have to share. And it's been great. So there you go. I'm making a promise. We're going to make that better. Another thing, I'd like to do a call out for some help. I am looking to upgrade the show a little bit. And one of the things is that opening statement. You know, you've heard me say, welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss. But I'm realizing that I haven't explained to people what the show's all about, which is a, I'm kind of experimenting with it just a little bit. You heard the opening there, uh, the number one podcast, which we are for Kickstarter uh, on the Internet. And I want if you would like to be part of the show semi permanently, I'm looking for somebody to do a voiceover for that opening. You're listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform. That's the opening I've picked. I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's what I've picked. If you'd like to be the voice of that opening, I'd like you to send me a sample. I'm looking for someone to become the voice intro, to introduce the show to the thousands of people who listen to it. So I'm doing a casting call if you'd think that you'd like to do that. Man or woman, doesn't matter. Send me an email with your audition to rbliss, that's Richard Bliss, rbliss at blisscorp, C-O-R-P.com. I look forward to receiving your auditions. All right, what are we going to talk about? In this episode, I, what, did I wanna, what I wanted to do is talk about um, some great content that I found. There is so much content on the internet right now around Kickstarter that you can go out. We've talked to, you know, we have uh, Jamie Stegmeier who's regularly on here with Stonemaier Games James Mathy has agreed to come on the show, but he's always a little nervous, and so I haven't quite got him on the show yet, but James Mathy has great content out there. There are Facebook pages, there are LinkedIn groups, all kinds of free content out there that I think that you should go out and look for. But a great, a guest who I've had on a couple of times is Tyler James, and Tyler can be found at comicstribe.com. Comics is with an X, C-O-M-I-X, Tribe.com. Tyler came on the show a uh, year or so ago when he first launched his Kickstarter campaign. And we had, he's had some success. He's continued to do that. But he's, been, he's got a great blog out there that I kind of wanted to talk about. I don't have him on as a guest tonight. I keep reaching out to him. We're playing uh, tag, phone tag a little bit. So I thought, you know what? I'll just talk about his content and then we'll have him come talk about it himself. His latest blog is called Kickstalling. Nine things to do during the dead zone of a Kickstarter campaign. What's a dead zone? I call it the, um, golden gate bridge of your Kickstarter campaign. If you go out to KickTrack, track, K I C K T R a Q.com. You should already be very familiar with that. Adam Clark's wonderful resource. You will see something that shows you the amount of money backers, um, that you get on a daily basis. And it kind of looks like the Golden Gate Bridge. you got this spire at one end, this long drop-off, and then this rise to the end and a spire at the other end. You've got these two spikes at either end and then this great valley in between. It's kind of referred to as the dead zone. Almost every Kickstarter campaign has it. No matter how successful they are, uh, whether they raise $5,000 or $500,000, it almost all follows the same pattern. Big spike at the beginning, drop-off and then a big spike at the end. So what do you do in that middle? Because oftentimes for Kickstarter ba- uh, project owners, there's a, te- a bit of a panic when you reach that middle section. All of a sudden, your backers have trickled to a fraction of what they were in the first few days when you were just jumping up and down going, woohoo, because you were thought that you were gonna break the $10 million mark based on the numbers. And then it slows down and now you're worried that you're even going to fund because things have gotten so slow. It's oftentimes that you reach out to me at that point. That's when I get most of the people reaching out to me is when they've hit that slump. Hey, I've launched my Kickstarter campaign. Now things are slow. What can I do to to change that around? Tyler's got some great content. So we're going to skim that here real quick as we take a look at what he has to say. So number one is recognize that it's going to be there don't panic. It happens to everybody. You're going to have that downtime just like everybody else. So don't panic, stick to it, find something to do every day. Jamie Stegmaier, uh was a great one where he said that he laid out almost every day, something new that he was going to do to keep things going. So what kind of things can you do? Well, as Tyler points out, one of the first things you can do is show gratitude. This dead time is kind of a great opportunity for you to kind of take a breath, Things have slowed down a little bit, and now you can start reaching out to those backers, telling them thank you, being very grateful in your updates and your posts, telling people thank you for the contributions that they've made. Because there's been a lot of people who have invested in you at this point early on without the guarantee that you're going to be successful. Public updates. Tyler talks about this. What public updates are… Is the opportunity for you to post, and you've seen it because I'm I'm sure you've backed a Kickstarter campaign. You should never be launching a Kickstarter campaign until you've backed at least one to see what it's kind of like on the backer side. But this is your opportunity to use those public updates to keep people informed, to make announcements, to kind of keep things creative, and to give reasons for people to keep paying attention to your project. Tyler provides some great information here. Let me just uh, give you a couple of uh, things that he said. Keep your update short and sweet and skimmable. What does that mean? Skimmable. It's a technical marketing term. And what skimmable means is, is that most people don't read word for word anything anymore. Everything is skimmed. And they usually scan it starting upper left, going to bottom right, which means that they just are looking for highlights and keywords. And that's what you should do. Don't make it text dense. Break it up with some graphics or some images or some logo, maybe a video, um, but make it so that they can consume that content-, content easily just by skimming it. Because a lot of your backers, for example, Tyler talks about how how many projects they back, and I don't have time to read very lengthy. Sometimes those updates are lengthy ones are useful. But I honestly, I'm not going to get to the end of it. Even if I'm interested, I'm probably not going to get all the way to the end of it. So make it skimmable. Just can I consume it quickly by just scrolling down and catching the highlights? Adding that video can be a nice touch as well. But realize that videos, in my opinion, should never convey critical information that needs to be remembered. They should convey attitude, emotion, and engagement but never critical pieces of information, except in the case of like gameplay for a board game. They sh- you're showing people how to play the game and you want to get into those details. But overall, beyond that, I don't see that very often. I'm not, you might find an, um, an exception to that rule, but I haven't. Okay. Let's see. Next, he talks about adding new pledge levels. This is an interesting one, and I'm always amazed by what I see people be able to do. So adding new pledge levels. You know you've got the pledge levels over on the right. As soon as somebody pledges to one of your pledge levels, it's locked in. You can no longer modify that pledge. But you can add new pledges at any time, and if a pledge has no backers, you can remove the pledge. This is the good thing to know because what can happen is you can save some of your creative pledge levels for that downtime. Slip them in there, maybe giving people a a new opportunity to give you more money and that it kind of generates a little buzz and activity and people start finding other ways to tell their friends about this. So putting in some new pledge levels and he's got some great examples of how to do that. For example, in this one, you want to be killed by a ghost in his next book. Well, what he's done is, is that, hey, you know, this new pledge level of $350, I'll kill you off in the book that gets people kind of interested in talking and coming back to your campaign. Remember, they're being they're being distracted by a lot of other things right now, and so giving them an excuse to come back and see something new keeps it fresh. Celebrating milestones. This is something I often encourage people to do. If you've hit 50%, make an update. Tell people. Thank them. If you've hit 100 backers or 250 backers or 500 backers, again, milestone, update. There's all kinds of little things that you can do the 25, 50, 75% pledge levels, the number of backers, a number of amount of money. You hit the $10,000, the $50,000, whatever that might, number might be. Make these little wins celebratory. Give your backers a reason to be kind of excited for you. Again, that emotion, you got to keep going. You know, it's interesting. This is There's a great debate about how long your campaign should be. The reason there's a debate about it, you'd think, well, the longer the better. One of the challenges is the wider or longer that gap between those spikes is harder to maintain the momentum and remind people that your campaign's going on. So it's something to think about. How should you celebrate milestones? What Tyler suggests is a couple of things. (coughs) Excuse me. Unlocking backer-only rewards, revealing new pledges, showing off more of the project like stretch goals, those type of things, because stretch goals don't have to be tied to money. Stretch goals, I, what, one of the things I always encourage people to do is start having micro campaigns. Look, if we get 10 backers by the end of the day, uh, everybody's going to get this. Now, obviously, it's going to be something tiny and small. Maybe you'll create a little graphic or some type of um, icon or avatar. But create these tiny little pledge levels. Even if they don't get anything, please, we're trying to hit... 50 backers by the end of the week. That would be great. Or 500 backers. Who's going to be our 500th backer? These focuses, shifting the focus from money to backers is really powerful because what it does is it gives people the opportunity of sharing the campaign without it being about money. I get, on a regular basis, requests for helping to share somebody's campaign. Would you please share my campaign? And I'll go look. And they have zero backers. And zero money what do you want me to do at that point How, how can I help you find backers if you don 't haven 't found any of your own? The first time I hear from you should not be a request for money, but it should be something else. For example, um, the guest I just had, um, Cynthia Landon, loved it. She reached out to me. Not because she wanted to be on the show, but she wanted to share with me some of the things that she was doing. And I saw that her campaign was doing good things for her community. And I reached out to her and said, yes, I want you to be on my show. Now, why did she reach out to me? Probably because she wanted to be on the show, but she didn't ask to be on the show. And she left that up to my discretion. And I appreciated that. And I saw that she had something of value that I thought you, the guest, would have. Occasionally, though, I have other people pitch me campaigns for the show. And that's a good thing too, because I'm always looking for great content, but reaching out to me and making an introduction to me being the first thing that you ask for is to use my network to promote your campaign where I don't know you and I have no reason to understand why I should be helping you when this is the first time we've ever met makes it a little tough. So that's something to think about in the middle of that campaign is not when you should be reaching out to reviewers like me and saying, please help, I'm desperate. I can't get anybody to pledge to my campaign. That's not what you want to be doing. You look desperate. Don't do it. It's embarrassing. Instead, you should have prepared long before that to make the, establish the contact and relationships with me and other people who can then be interested in helping you get through that little hump in the middle, or lack of a hump, I guess, where you're trying to get through the dip. So that's something to think about. Now it's interesting. Tyler mentions kick track and he says, quit looking at kick track. Kick track, uh, can share some great information, but one of the things it does is it has a trending number. Now that trending number is not, uh, how do you describe that? I don't want to say it's not accurate cause it is, but it's not really accurate. The trending number says, if you were to continue at the pace you're going, this is how much money you would make. But Nobody ever continues at that pace, but instead Adam has shared a a little secret. If you go to day eight, nine and 10 and look right about what the prediction was, the trend was on basically a little about a week to a week and a half out. 70% of the time, that's where you're going to end up in your funding goal. You understand what I'm saying? You got a 42 day campaign, but at day eight, nine or 10, you can go look and have a fairly good chance of understanding where you're going to end up. That will give you a great indicator. Now, if it's off the charts, you can get all excited. But if it's still too low, it might be time to use that mid-time campaign to retool and to relaunch. Okay, he's got a couple of other things. One of them is to keep pitching your project to media. Remember, that's me but you should have established some of those relationships beforehand, but that doesn't mean necessarily just to not keep plugging away, plug away, plug away podcasts, interviews, write original, articles, write something. You know, I'm always asking somebody if they'd like to write for the blog. If they've something that they've learned, come be a guest blogger on my blog. I'm always open to that. So those are the type of things you can do to drive awareness for your campaign. And there's number nine one. And I have to share this one is don't be desperate. It's going to be okay. No, trust me. Honestly, it's going to be okay. Well, what happens if I don't fund? It's going to be okay. Let me bring up that last one. What happens if you don't fund? It's obvious you're not going to make it. You're looking at the numbers. KickTrack says that it's going to fail. You're looking at the numbers it's going to fail. Other people are kind of starting to hint that it's going to fail, but you're going to hang in there to the last minute. I might recommend that you don't do that. Let me give you an example. Um, I saw a project the other day where they had launched their project, but earlier, like last year, they had allowed a project to fail. And what I mean by that is is that they ran its course, ran it into the ground, and it didn't fund. Failed to take off. What happens is Kickstarter leaves that out there. So if I type in their campaign that they relaunched, I get to see the successful one, and I also get to see the failure. If you cancel a project, on the other hand, Kickstarter removes it from the search algorithm and it doesn't really show up. The link still works, but they have to specifically know where that campaign was to go find it. So what does that mean? If you cancel for all intents and purposes, you disappear. And I have people say, well, I'll take a hit. People think it's a project that's a loser if I cancel. Really? Think about this. The reason you're looking at canceling a project is because you haven't found anybody to, enough people to back it. So who are these people who are going to think you're a loser? People who haven't found you to back your project. You mean people who don't even know you exist? Yeah, they're not going to think you're a loser. If, you, if you're if you not going to fund and you're going through that doldrums and kick track is saying you're going to fail and it might be a chance to go talk to a few people and see about pulling back and retooling and relaunching. That's always one of the biggest pieces of advice that I like to give people. All right. There you go. There's some of the content that Tyler put out there. It's great content. You can find it at comicstribe.com. I thought I'd share that with you today. Uh, Also, be sure to, if you're interested in being a voice of my podcast, um, please send an audition. I don't know. Tape isn't the right word. Who has tapes anymore? But send me something And if you'd like to do that. And any suggestions you have of maybe what you think I should say at the opening and closing, of the podcast. You've been listening to funding the dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform on the internet. Your host has been Richard bliss. That's me. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to uh, hearing from you. And if you'd like visit Richardabliss.com, sign up for my newsletter. I'll send you a link. That's about to release of my short five minute video on the five things to avoid for your next Kickstarter campaign. Look forward to hearing from you. Take care.